You're listening to Rust Belt Running. Running is what makes me realize that, like, I'm a human being who is worth something. That is not a good measurement of my value as a human. We get between eight and 10,000 additional comments, and I read every one of them. So you had to run Sand Run for your first. You become race director and take it out. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, it's got to be old guy naked in the locker room. I, I get to spend time with my friend Adam. I get to do something with my friend. Right now, I'm not thinking much beyond what I'm going to be drinking next week at this time. Coleslaw on a taco is not taco, it's barbecue. And so we'll be discussing tonight with some occasional swear words from Andrew because he's upset. And that's okay. I know him as the biggest Kid Rock fan around. You rap that. <laughs> oh, dear God. You're listening to Rust Belt Running. I'm Adam Wheeler. You can find me on social media at Wheels Up in CLE. Joined, as I always am, by Andrew Hedinger. You can find on social media at Andrew Runs A Lot. If you want to find the podcast on social media, you can find us at Rust Belt Running. Andrew, I'm not going to ask how you're doing because I know how you're doing. I'm doing okay. Yeah. Um, it's good to be out of my bedroom uh, for the first time in a while. Um, if you don't follow me or you missed it, I um, all you anti-vaxxers can point and laugh um, <laughs> if you want to. It got me. Um, Doesn't work. <laughs> Boo. Um, I have my old case of uh, COVID-19. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, I'm doing okay. All things considered, I'm just really tired now, especially after that awesome interview we just had with Mark Ramey from uh dumbrunner.com. That was fun. That was a lot of fun. I, yeah. that, that took some good turns too. And I like the way it ended. Yes. Um, as we kind of li- listen to a, um, a satire writer, talk about the importance of satire. You mm-hmm. know, it's not just to make you ha ha laugh. That's, it's not just meant to be LOL funny. Yeah. Um, so to really listen to him say that, um, and to like emphatically agree on the video that not everybody will see, but maybe we will. I don't know. Maybe I want to toot my own horn a little bit. Be like, look at the po- look how excited I got our guest with the point I made. But how are you? I'm good. Um, in the middle of I'm going to Charleston this weekend, so I'm in the middle of eight straight days of work and wrapping up base training, and so I feel really busy. I, you yeah. know, it's just how it always feels before you're going to go out of town somewhere. There's all these loose ends you got to wrap up. And I'm really, I'm looking out my window right now at a frozen tundra and realizing how much I'm over winter and we're not really even that deep into winter, but I'm good. I'm not doing too bad. And, um, you know, that doesn't sound very energetic. No. We're in, we're in what is my least favorite time of year. Because it's cold, it's gray, and it feels like it's going to be forever before that's not the case up here. Right. So this is just, this is me getting through that existence. You know, I had a really good thought. This isn't related to running, but it's related to this weather. Um, yeah. you, you had posted uh, a screenshot from a group chat from work. Um, after <laughs> oh, yeah, we should talk about that. that. Uh, that your one friend braved the elements uh, last week, and he he said he Tokyo drifted his way to get a six pack. Well, so I had a brilliant idea. Um, and yes, I, yes, I you think, did. I think that different municipalities could really cash in on this, and if they want to generate revenue, this could do it. So instead of like with the weather we had, where last week we down here in Canton we got about eleven inches. Um, 
And then, you know, you really weren't going anywhere. It really wasn't safe to go anywhere. Schools canceled, work canceled, all sorts of stuff for a couple of days. Instead of like, if people run out of alcohol, they should, we should have on the snowplow trucks, we should make it like an ice cream truck, but for adults so that we can, as adults, if we are out of alcohol, we can go to the snowplow truck and get it as they drive past. I think, I think it's a, I think it's a pretty smart plan. I would desperately have loved something like that last Monday because I, I got to experience like the adult version of a snow day. Uh, I didn't realize we were supposed to get that much snow. We ended up getting about 10 inches to a foot up here. And uh, the, the screenshot that you were talking about, there's a, a specific chat for all the bartenders where I work. And uh, we'd gotten a message. We're not open for lunch right now. So we don't open until four o'clock. And we'd gotten a message that day um, after the snow had all hit saying like, hey, just so you guys know, like we're going to be open at four like normal. And uh, I don't know if just because it was MLK Day, like municipalities didn't really feel like it was necessary to plow or what. But, you know, all the bartenders in the chat are like, this is what it looks like outside my house right now. Like streets were not plowed. Right. Cars were completely uh, buried in. And as it turned out, we ended up closing in part because the the parking lot at work wasn't cleared. But I found out later that every single person scheduled to work, including myself, uh, basically had called in saying, hey, we're not going to be able to make it. For me, it was because my apartment complex, the plow, uh, wasn't working. And so what I went out to in the afternoon to dust off my car, I walked into a foot of snow. And it's like, even though I dust off my car, I'm not going anywhere. So I got to experience an adult snow day. And... I was really, really sad because I really wanted to drink wine that day. And all I had was a half a bottle of red wine left. And I would have given anything to have had somebody come and deliver me a bottle of red wine. So you are absolutely hitting on something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you're stuck in the house with your kids all day because they don't have school. Well, you don't have kids. But no. um, Yeah. I mean, if you're if you didn't think ahead, which I did. I'm, not, I'm never out of beer, but if I had you beer. I just, I no. had a craving for red wine all of a sudden. I think I had a nice glass of whiskey that night too. You did. Yeah. You said it was a yeah. whiskey night. It was, and it was good. Um, but yeah, so that's been the last, uh, and then, and then we just get snow again. We got more snow yesterday. We're getting more right now. It's yeah. It's that, you know what? I picked the right week to uh, have COVID though. Yeah. Um, because, Right now, it looks like this whole week is going to be this way. Well, and on top of that, it's it's cold. Like, it's just yeah. been consistently cold. We had last week, I think two days after the snowstorm, we did have temps that got into the 40s, which was nice because everything was plowed and then, you know, everything that was down underneath melted. So the roads were clear. The Metro Parks paths were clear. I got a nice 15-mile in and on completely, you know, plowed uh, paths. But now... Ever since then, it's been back down, and it's a lot of single-digit temperatures, a lot of temperatures in the teens, and so it snows. It's super cold. It won't melt, and so it's just this every day feels the same of stepping out yeah. into 15-degree temps and just more and more snow. And um, Yeah. It's not even going to be that warm in Charleston, but it's going to be in the 40s, and it's going to feel tropical compared to what we're dealing with here. <laughs> right, so you're going to care. the beach. I'm going to the beach, man. Let's go. Let's... Oh, man. I can't go anywhere. Yeah, I'm sorry. But I did get to sit here and talk about um, running satire with you and Mark Ramey. And yes. uh, 
yeah, really enjoyed our conversation with him. Um, do you know, do you, do you have any, uh, takeaways without giving away anything from, uh, I'm always bad at giving away things. So I've just learned to shut up. Um, that's, you know what? No, you know what I really enjoyed is that I started reading Runner's World shortly after I started running, and I remember reading Ramey's World, which was his Runner's World column that he just briefly touches on, and just thinking he was really hilarious. I never thought that I'd actually be talking to him, but I always just loved you know those early Runner's World um, magazines that I got. Just you know the little bit of humor that was in there amidst all the the seriousness that running usually seems to have, and. Uh, you know, he's, he's a funny guy. He, you know, you talked about how he kind of talked us through the process of how he combines the seriousness of running with the satire that running can provide and uh, just enjoyed the process, you know, him talking about that process and some of the points that he made. And I think you and I, you and I, we both, we both consider ourselves serious runners, but I don't think we take ourselves too seriously. And uh, I think we're good at spotting the humor in some of those things. And it, it made it a worthwhile conversation because I think it was a conversation amongst like-minded individuals. Absolutely. What did you take out? I know you got, you mentioned how you got him really excited. That was the clip oh, you should post, I, by the way. I, I, I did, that was, you know, I'm just going to leave my point at that. Cause yeah, that's, you know, I think there's an intersection of, um, you know, comedy and real world issues um, that you can hit. And uh, you know, there's one that, you know, there's one article he has that you might read the headline and laugh, uh, but you know, really should think about like the point behind it. And I, I bring that up at the end and, you know, he kind of talks through it and, um, you know, there, there's really more than meets the eye uh, to a lot of things that uh, that Mark may post. Um, I, I did want to you, you might be confused. We're saying Ramey, not Remy. Um, well, he goes into that at the very beginning. Um, I, I made sure to uh, to have him share a story because. We, uh, we, we, we sound pretentious when we say Ramey, and, and that's because it's correct. And <laughs> we, we want to say his name correctly. Yes. Uh, so I, I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to him. Um, this, is, uh, this is some time that me and Adam spent with Mark Ramey at dumbrunner.com. Hope you enjoy it. Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing out in Portland? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And to set the record straight, it's Remy. Remy. Not Remy. You've all yes. been pronouncing it wrong this whole time. <laughs> Shame on you. It's it's Remy technically. That's a that's a long backstory there. But yeah, the upshot <laughs> is it's Remy. But people um it looks like Remy. People say Remy all the time to the point where sometimes I say it myself. It's just easier that way. <laughs> you told us a, with it. You told us a funny story about your wife taking your last name right before we got on. Can you share that yeah, with us? Yeah, my wife took my last name when we got married and um uh, at least for business purposes, official purposes, uh, she decided to spell it R E accent a goo M Y. And the accent, the accent a goo is the accent mark, like the slashy mark above the E mm -hmm. that indicates that, uh, when it, well, when it points to the right, that means it's pronounced like a in French. Um, and by the way, she was born and raised in Canada. So she has some relatives who are kind of, um, not, not French Canadian exactly, but close enough. So she figured okay. that would help them understand how to pronounce it too. So. <laughs> Yeah, I do not. I do not use the accent I do. <laughs> well, we definitely didn't bring you on to discuss uh, the French pronunciation of your last name. We brought you on. Well, to talk I'm about sorry to hear that because that's all I'm prepared to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> this we, is a we, quick interview. Then that wasn't brought, my understanding. <laughs> brought you on to talk about running and all things related to dumbrunner.com. Um, so 
first, before we get into dumbrunner.com, let's talk a little bit about your running background in general, because you are a, uh, you are a very experienced marathoner. So I want to learn here a little bit about how you got into running um, and maybe some of the dovetails your running career took that brought you to the hilarious satirical site, dumbrunner.com. Boy, um, well, I will start out in broad strokes. And if you want to know more, you can always um, ask for ask for elaboration. I got into running, oh boy, about 200 years ago. It is in 1995. I'm old enough that I hurt my back without knowing why sometimes. Like I'm that, you know, yeah. I'm that old. Um, I'm getting there. Yeah, like around 1995, I, that was the year of my first marathon, and that's usually what I, um, I, I so I pegged that year is when I kind of got into running for real, um, and I kind of got in it accidentally through kind of sideways through a side door from cycling. Um, I was biking a lot at the time. I was a road cyclist, and um, I decided to try running in the off season as cross training. I met a guy. Um, who lived in my hometown, an older guy who kind of uh, was a runner and took me under his wing. And um, he kind of like, you know, answered questions and guided me along. I'm a mentor. And uh, I think he's the guy probably who got me interested in signing up for my very first race, which I think my first official race was a 15 miler. It was a, man, I think it was like a Valentine's day, like hot chocolate, you know, 15 miler kind of a, kind of a thing. Um, in fact, I, you know, I think I got an age group award and I still have the mug someplace. I'm looking for it now in my office. And I can't see it, but anyway, it's, uh, that was kind of got, got me into it. And then shortly after that, I decided, um, you know, the next logical marathon uh, step will be a marathon. So I signed up for the marathon in my uh, college town, which is Athens, Ohio. So, um, so now when I tell people my first marathon was the Athens marathon, I have to clarify <laughs> that's Ohio, not Greece. It's a little, little less glamorous, a little less history, but it was it was a very small, small race, um, and I did that and survived somehow. And uh, yeah, I I didn't immediately transform overnight into from a cyclist into a runner, but it was a gradual thing. And before I knew it, I woke up one day and realized I was no longer a cyclist who sometimes ran, but uh, a runner who sometimes biked. And it just kind of happened, man. Next thing you know, I've done twenty eight marathons and. Uh, Worked at Runner's World for for years, and um, yeah, it's kind of a wild, wild ride. Have not done a marathon for some time now. Honestly, don't have any plans to do further marathons, but never say never. Do you do you still run? Just shorter races now, or is that more of a past thing? Yeah, yeah, I I do. It's um, I'm one of those people who who runs now um, less for competition, more for quote unquote mental health, and um, you know, just clearing my head and. keeping loose and that kind of thing. And I'm, I'm actually back into biking. So I've kind of like my athletic life is kind of bookended now by, by uh, road biking. Um, but yeah, I, I still run just not, um, I don't race really. I don't. Um, yeah. It's, I was just the other day, just telling someone like I, after a certain age, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I ran PRs in the 5k half marathon and full marathon at age 29. And, you know, that was after having, you know, been a, a, you know, serious runner, uh, quote unquote, for like five years or so, you know, and, and after that, I kept running competitively, but I never, you know, those PRs still stand today. And I'm at a point now where that's like so far in the rearview mirror that I know I'll never break any of those PRs and I've made peace with that. And, uh, 
Furthermore, I don't even think I have what it takes to be a really uh, dedicated master's runner. You know, like some people have this ability to to maintain that kind of hardcore, you know, nose to the grindstone kind of discipline and, and, and hard training. And as you get older, it gets harder and harder to maintain certain levels of fitness and everything else, you know. And uh, and I know myself well enough to know that I'm just not nearly that disciplined. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta know your limits. So, uh, I, I don't, I don't really race. I don't really, I don't really do races anymore. Okay. Um, what yeah. you have to do is you have to, you have to separate your PRs. Cause like, I know I'm never going to hit my 5k PR cause that was set in high school. I'm never right. going to be as fast as I was 20 years ago. Right. But, uh, so I got my post high school PR. That's the one I keep on my PR board behind me. Yeah. So you just need to, you need to set new masters, PRs. You know, it's funny. I, I mean, I certainly could. And what's funny is like, that's exactly the kind of advice I give other people all the time. You know, <laughs> like someone on, someone on Twitter uh, was saying recently, like, uh, man, I, I don't know. I have this like this does a 5k PR count if it's on a treadmill and, blah, blah. and I stepped in and said, like, well, call it your treadmill 5k PR and have a road 5k PR. The problem solved. Yeah. Right? Like, oh, yeah, that makes good sense. But I'm, I've never been very good at taking my own advice, I'm afraid. So what did they say? Like never trust a plumber's pipes or something like that. Something like, like that. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. I don't like this old talk, but you did graduate from OU in 92. So I guess we can go there. Um, <laughs> I do have to ask because I am a graduate of Ohio state and I know, I know several people who went to OU who absolutely hate that Ohio U is not considered to be as big as Ohio state, even though, cause Ohio U is older. Ohio state came around later. Uh, do you carry such prejudices with you having graduated from OU? I have so many prejudices, but but none about <laughs> OU and OSU. Okay, this was something that blew prejudice me away. This is my middle name, Adam. No, I no, I I, uh, I never. You know, I've never been big into like school rivalry stuff in the first place. Just generally speaking, it's just always seemed kind of like I kind of roll my eyes at it. But no, I you know they're they're different schools and do different things in different places. And so what, man? I mean. Oh, I mean, Ohio State is is unquestionably bigger. Yeah, you know, literally, it's 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 huge. It's a huge student body. Back and yeah, yeah, back when I was going there, I think we had like eighteen thousand undergrad. Yeah, which is a good sized school. It's a it's a huge. Well, again, everything's relative, right? I mean, yeah. I knew people who went to little private schools with hundreds of students, and mm -hmm. I told them like I went to OU and eighteen thousand undergrad, and they like do a spit take, like, geez, that's huge. <laughs> um. So yeah, it's all it's all relative, but um, I, I I loved OU. I loved um, and speaking of cycling, I, my one of my most vivid memories of, of OU is uh, not just the cycling in general, but specifically like getting together with my cycling friends down there. And when it came time to schedule classes for the next quarter, um, we were on quarters, not semesters, mm -hmm. and we would you know make sure that our schedules jived well enough that we could have time in the afternoons to ride together. So those were our priorities, right? Okay. And my grades probably reflected that, but you know, <laughs> it was great cycling and good, good, good times. So you graduated from there uh, with a journalism degree. What yeah. uh, what were your plans once you got out of there? Like, how did we go from OU journalism degree to the intersection of running and satire? Oh man, um, you don't see the natural uh, progression there, Adam. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty it's a pretty straight line for me to be right. What else? Would right. I do? Um, man, I, I could, I could spend like 90 minutes just talking about that, but I, but I won't, um, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, I, you know, the best, 
way I've come to, because I've gotten some version of that question over the years several times sure. in interviews like this or whatever, just for, with, with friends or readers. And I eventually came upon a, a metaphor that I like a lot. Um, I don't know if they still have this, but on The Price is Right, you guys have seen The Price is Right, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And at least in the old days, they used to have a game on there called, um, I think it was called Plinko. Mm -hmm. Is that about you? Yeah. Where yeah. Like, like a little coin like, down. Yeah, it's like yeah, a disc like or a coin on the top. Yeah, and it goes down this board with pegs and just yeah. bounces randomly left and right, and wherever it falls to the bottom, like you, you win or don't or something like that. The point is, like I, looking back, I see my entire career arc from from college, even like this early as high school to current day, as a big game of of plinko. You know, I just like I I started at the top with my journalism degree, and just like from there, just like have been hitting these random pegs. And I never could have predicted it. Nobody could, you know. It's, yeah. just, it's just a tale of like random stuff, serendipity, you know, dumb luck, stumbling into things or out of things. And um, you know, frankly, I, kidding aside, I, when people ask for like advice, like if, if, for example, if somebody wants to land a job in, in running media or humor writing or whatever, um, uh, or even to wind up in a certain place geographically, professionally, the, the best advice I think I've ever given was just, um, it's less about like making this choice or that choice or studying this topic or that topic or doing an internship or not, and more about just a general willingness to be open to things. Um, in other words, like looking back with, with benefit of hindsight now, I think a lot of the luck that I had just, and a lot of it was, I, I'm convinced just dumb luck, came down to me being willing to take chances and to shrug and say, why not? Or I'll try this, even though it's not like, you know, this is not a to be, I want to be a B. I won't take this because this won't get me there. Right. Like, well, that's not how things work, at least not for me. You know, maybe this job kind of, which is sort of like sideways to your goal will take you indirectly to where you want to go. You know, I mean, you never know how things will work or who, who you'll meet or what circumstances will, will dish up. So, uh, yeah, my advice is to to people is just to be flexible and be willing to take chances and say yes to things and and see where it takes you, you know, and willing to bail out if things aren't working out too. By the way, is the flip side of that coin. So yeah, not sure if I answered your question or not, but it's like yeah, how how I wound up here is just a, a bunch of crazy things. The short, the very short version, the bullet point version is journalism degree, um, newspaper job, out of school in Pennsylvania. Um, coincidentally. A 20 minute drive from Emmaus, Pennsylvania, which was the home at the time of Rodale, Rodale, yeah. right? The parent company of Runner's World and so on. Um, so, from that job to a job at Rodale, which was my first kind of foot in the door moment there. Um, and then just, you know, more Plinko, man. I, I Plinkoed around Rodale. I left the company briefly and came back. I, I through a Rodale connection, wound up in New York City for six years working in publishing there um, before being lured back to Runner's World um where i uh you know was leading the website for a while um so i did that and bought a house and met my future wife and got married and had kids and a dog and uh <laughs> and now we're in portland so that's the super condensed version i like that how was your time at runner's world like what what exact what did you do there and uh what's that <laughs> a lot, a lot of running, running for starters yeah. <laughs> all right well thanks for answering that one <laughs> <laughs> it was it was great it was it was what you know very often i think people have these sort of um oh man i don't know idealized visions of what working 
um, for their dream employer might be like. And for me, working at, um, I mean, Runner's World was great, of course, but like just working at Rodale in general, and Rodale was a big company that included not just Runner's World, but bicycling and men's health and prevention mm -hmm. and various other titles and a book division. And like, I don't know how much or how little you guys know about, about uh, um, the late, great Rodale um, or Rodale Press, but it was a great, great company ahead of its time in a lot of ways. And I would daydream about working there as, um, man, as, as young as like my high school days, like way before I knew that I would ever wind up moving to Eastern Pennsylvania mm -hmm. or anything like that. So landing a job there for me was a big deal. And, and as I was saying a moment ago, you know, some, it's easy to sort of romanticize and idealize things and you get, you get there and realize like, oh, this is just another job or this is not as great as I thought it would be because your expectations are so high. But Rodale met and exceeded my expectations. I thought it was great. My, my time there was, you know, was among the happiest, happiest years of my life, for sure, for sure. And, you know, a lot of that time was spent at Runner's World and Runner's World was wonderful in its own specific ways in that bigger picture. But um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of running, a lot of lunchtime runs and camaraderie, that kind of thing. A lot of fun, a lot of uh, cool travel that I got to do through work to uh, different events and races and things like that. And uh, talking to a lot of cool people and my coworkers were, were great. And um, it was, it was always, you know, two thumbs up, man. Are there any stories from your time there that like really pop out as like, you know, favorite stories that you have like, that oh. you wrote? Man, oh, stories that I wrote. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like anecdotes about working there. No, um, I mean, whichever way you want to go. With. Yeah, you can go both <laughs> ways with that. Gosh, I hmm. Well, hard hitting I, questions I here on Rust Belt Running. Yeah, yeah. I I wrote a feature article um, about revisiting my my hometown in Ohio, where you guys are based. Um, and I think that was the last, that was like the final feature I, I wrote for Runner's World. Um, and it was not long after that that we decided um, to uh, part ways. You know, it was, it was totally amicable and cool and stuff. But I just, I kind of like let my contract lapse. And so I'm just doing my own thing. But I think the final feature I wrote for them was called Running Home um, or something like that. And I mean, it's still online, you can find it. But it's all about me returning to my um, small rural Ohio hometown and uh seeing how much um it's changed and i've changed and all that kind of stuff I, I i actually tracked down that guy i mentioned earlier my mentor that got me into running and i sat down on his couch and talked to him a while and um that was pretty cool you know it was and it was really revealing to me you know going back there and digging in um i mean i, I don't want to over dramatize it but i had some issues growing up um you know, some, some family stuff and personal stuff. And so I had really avoided ever going back there, at least yeah. not for a long time. And, you know, to make a conscious decision to go back there for that very reason, to start probing, you know, and peeling things back uh, was really, um, I don't know, it was really clarifying and it was, it was, it, it was, it was good, I think. So I wrote an article all about that. And that's probably one of the things I'm, I'm most proud of. Um, you know, the, the other part, is that Runner's World got me into um, the whole running humor niche, which is how I wound up with dumbrunner.com today. And that just happened organically, I guess, with an online column that I did. Um, it had various titles through the years, but for a long time it was called Ramey's World. And uh, it was 
basically it was basically what you see with, with dumb runner today a lot of uh, satire and parody and dumb humor um all having to do with running of course so that's what kind of like got me into that and i've i've you know continued that on my own with with dumb runner so what is it about running that uh that you thought was really worth satirizing cuz Andrew and I talk about this a lot that runners can be very very serious about a whole lot of things and there's lots of room there for satire like what was it that you saw that made you want to go down that specific route oh god well i mean in in you know in general terms you kind of answered your own question it's just that runners can take themselves so seriously like <laughs> and you know and 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 i did too by the you know i i was you know um i was guilty as anybody i i took well, let me clarify that. I think I think I took my training seriously for for a while, for quite a while. Um, I tried not to take myself too seriously, which is a, a, an important distinction, I think. Um, you know, I I think it was less about um, it was less about running per se being really ripe for satire, and more about me being through this kind of like these kind of, you know, Plinko game accidents of, of fate being immersed in the running world combined with my personality, which is very sarcastic and ironic. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, a, I think I'm kind of a satirist by, by nature, by birth, you know? So um, the reason I, I satirized running was because it, that was what was all around me. Right. If I somehow landed a job, with a billiards magazine or something, maybe I'd satirize, you know, pool players or I mean, who knows, you know, but I was in, you know, runner's world, you know, um, capital R W and lowercase R W. And so that's what I was, that was, um, that was my world. That was my environment. So, you know, looking around to like satirize things that of course, that's what I chose. So it was a matter of convenience is a short answer, I suppose. But, um, I think with the right, you know, with the right mindset and enough kind of patience and diligence and, um, you know, with with powers of, of observation that are, you know, attuned enough, you could find something to satirize in just about any arena, um, honestly. I happen to find that running does offer lots of lots of targets. It's a target-rich environment for a lot. So it's not just running that he's satirized because I just, I went to try to find your uh, last runner's world article and I stumbled across an article from the New Yorker, um, oh, a, back, right. a back to school supply list. And I'm dying reading some of them. Oh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've done like uh, seven or eight humor pieces for the newyorker.com, which I'm also proud of. I want to pull out a couple of these because it's before you do. Right. I, before yeah. you, I have to ask you: Do you have children of your own? School age children? I do. That's why this is so funny to me. Well, there you go. So, anyone listening, if you don't have kids of your own, this will seem not funny at all, probably. But every parent, I think, can relate to it. So, one box of colored pencils, twenty-four count. Four additional colored pencils, any color. So, yeah, you'll need to buy a second box. <laughs> one pink eraser. Note. Other colors will be thrown away. But my favorite one is 36 pre-sharpened Tyke. I don't know how to say that. Ticonderoga. Ticonderoga pencils. The next check is no, not fucking Office Depot pencils. Did we say Office Depot? <laughs> yes, they must be pre-sharpened. <laughs> Funny because it's true. 
<laughs> Fun fact, I wrote that in about, so a lot of stuff I kind of agonize over and it takes me like longer than you would think to write it. That thing I banged out in about 15 minutes. <laughs> um, and the t and I, it happened moments after I received that a very, that very same list from our school, like a, like a real one, um, like a school supplies list and going through and like, this is ridiculous. The How pink they... eraser thing always boggles my mind because I'm like, what does it matter? <laughs> exactly. Like, it erases. It's right next to the white ones. Exactly. Why does it have to be pink? Because it does so have funny. to. The list is the list. <laughs> the list says so. Oh my goodness. Uh, <laughs> so... Um, if you haven't been to uh, dumbrunner.com and seen any of Mark's stuff, I, I don't want to sell it short by saying it's just like the onion because you do your own thing, but satire taking real running world things and making it comical. I want to, we want to bring out a few of our favorites. I just brought out that brilliant one from the New Yorker, but you, you had one, I think it was fairly recent. Um, satire you can trust since 2015 uh yes oh this came out on my birthday last year um november 16th 2021 athletic brewing company introduces non-caloric gels <laughs> as as the athletic brewing company seems to be completely taking over um craft beer uh even though they're non-alcoholic i died when i saw that especially on the heels of molly seidel being such a big spokesperson um for athletic brewing but yeah. what what goes in like what's kind of some of the thought process with that is it something that just kind of hits you or oh, you, you said you agonize over it or is there a good mix of like things you really think about or things you're just like oh my god no this is funny um sometimes i'll hit on something and and i'll think like oh yeah this is definitely funny this is hilarious this is going to go over really well um Often it bombs. <laughs> Those things bomb. <laughs> like, what? No, this was funny. This is funny. Can't, don't you people know funny when you see it? <laughs> um, you guys suck. Uh, no, sometimes I, I write something and think like, all right, even I, as insecure and like hand-wringing as I can be, will will have to admit like, okay, that's pretty funny. This is going to be big. And sometimes it is. And sometimes it, it doesn't perform like I think it will. Um, usually that's not the case. Usually it's like, I think this is funny. And I'll, 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 you know, publish it and put it out there and just kind of wait and see what happens. Um, it's interesting, like the, uh, generally speaking, the hardest part of writing a Dumb Runner um, article, um, and to, to a lesser extent, this is true of the comics I do and stuff like that also, um, is thinking of the, um, well, let me backtrack. The hardest part of doing a Dumb Runner article I'll focus on those for now is coming up with the the headline basically really like the headline is the joke right yeah. and uh like a good uh for like nine at least nine out of ten of my articles um you know more or less the entire joke is in the headline the headline married to the image right, right. so it's like text and visual like those two things combined almost always will convey all or most of the joke um so you don't have to click the link to read the article um i hope you will obviously because there's always something there and i do put effort into that and i try to i try to introduce more jokes into the article and some references that most people won't catch but some people will and they'll appreciate it i know because they write to tell me so but um but the point is like if you just see the, the headline and the image and get a laugh then i call that uh a success i call that a win um which very few websites would. And you mentioned the onion. Um, 
And first of all, never be afraid of comparing to the onion. I think that's exceedingly high praise. I'll take that any day. <laughs> um, the onion for runners. Some people have, have called dumb runner, which is which is high praise. Yeah. But like the onion, for example, they have it's kind of the same with them, right? Like the art, yeah. the headline and the image, or sometimes just the headline, is is the joke. It's the punchline. It's like that's it's like a self-contained gag, right? Right there, and they're very good at that. But oh, because but because they're advertising because they're an advertising um, revenue model. Um, if you don't click that and visit their website, it means nothing to them. Right. right. Because they need impressions on their ads and you get those only when you visit the website. So I, I, I feel for the onion, you know, it's, it's rough because like a million people could see a joke that they write in, in the headline and um, in the image or some combination and get a lot of value out of it, whatever, however you want to phrase it, you know, really love it, appreciate it, have a, have the best laugh of their life. And from the, from the onions point of view, from a business point of view, it's totally meaningless, you know? Yeah. Whereas I, because I don't take ads, like all I want is to make people laugh. And if you just, if you see my headline and image and laugh and never click a dumb runner link, then I'm perfectly happy. You know, the flip side of that is I hope that you'll eventually cough up a few bucks to help me keep doing it. Cause I got to eat like anyone else, but that's what, that's a big distinction between me and most other um, websites in general, really. I, I do love, so like you bringing up the onion real quick and I see this on your tweets from time to time too, but when uh, like on Facebook, all I do on Facebook is basically share pictures of my son, dog and onion articles. Like that's, <laughs> that's the extent yeah. of my Facebook. But going on Facebook in particular, when the onion shares something, mm -hmm. the it's the headline and the picture. And then it's the comments that people are writing the rest of the story without actually clicking it. That's mm -hmm. the best. I mean, I'll just sit there and die laughing for a solid 10 to 15 minutes. Well, I, that's interesting you say that. Throwing. Yeah, that's interesting you say that because like the just literally like three hours ago or less, I, I saw this happen. This happened that a version of that happens with my stuff too. Yeah. And um, I agree that it's funny, but from a, um, I hate the phrase content creator, but I'll say it, from a content creator's point of view, from my point of view, as the guy who wrote the actual article, it, it does make me cringe sometimes to see people making jokes in the comments that I already made in the article. If they bothered. Right. To yeah. Read it. Like, dude, I made that joke. Right. You know, like, God, uh, just read it, you know. Um, so I but yeah, I, I get it. I get it for sure. Um, where were we? Yeah. So coming up with the idea is is the hardest part. And the actual, you know, wording of the headline. Um, I spend more time than people probably think, um, again, agonizing over little tiny choices in, in the wording, um, like a comma or not a comma. That kind of because like there's a very fine line between like a really effective headline, like funny headline, and one that's not as funny as it could be. Um, and no, I can't think of any examples off the top of my head, but it's, it's, it's something that you really want to get just, just right. You know, so a lot of work goes into the headline and then choosing the image can make a big difference too, for sure. Do you have circumstances where somebody will stumble on something you've done and not recognize that it's satire and you hear I from them about that? Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> oh, <Lord>. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. In all caps. Um, <laughs> yes, in all caps. And I, I thought that's where Andrew was going a minute ago um, when you talk about the comments to Onion articles, because, um, you know, it's funny, there used to be a website dedicated to people thinking the Onion was real, like Onion articles were real and publishing their comments 
Oh, like, this is horrible. This I can't believe this is disgusting. Like, uh, but yeah, I, I I do sometimes. And in fact, I recently uh, inspired by one such person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I w- I would never like, uh, uh, you know, embarrass anybody by like naming them um, here or in on social media. But I did sort of sort of subtweet one guy the other day when I when I tweeted something like, um, you know, my my website has the word dumb right in its name. You know, <laughs> it's half, half the name of my website is dumb, the word dumb. <laughs> and the tagline, as Andrew said a minute ago, is it has like the word satire right there, man. It's like it's I've made it pretty, I, you know, the, 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 the signposts are pretty prominent, you know, and I still get people who will comment on something that someone else has shared like. Oh, is this real? Is that what? Is this for real? Is this legit? Like, no, you know. No, usually someone chimes in and says, like, no, it's a satire site. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> but you know, I just I don't know, it just goes to underscore how little people actually read, <laughs> I guess these say like, it just takes a minute, man, to click through and find it. if you're really curious to like suss that out. This is not like solving a this is not like solving some sort of vexing puzzle. I mean have you, you know, met half of the people who yeah. are on social media these days? Goodness gracious. It's yeah. easy to fool a lot of them. It's wild, man. You know, it's certainly, it certainly it certainly makes you understand a lot better, a lot more viscerally how misinformation and those kinds of things yeah. can take root, you know, in a which is not funny at all. It's that's the opposite of funny, but it's yeah, the same I, kind of mentality, right? This gull, gull, gullibility. Well, you put like the tag is satire you can trust since 2015. And unfortunately, I think the word satire might be too big of a word for a lot of people. Really? That, that never even occurred to me. I, I don't know. Maybe. Um, maybe I mean, it's fine because you, you hook them and then, then you know, it can take off from there and be absolutely hilarious. Yeah, I guess. Maybe I should just Get, change it to humor if people know what that means anymore. I don't know. Humor? <laughs> satire? Tomfoolery? <laughs> Tom I, oh, that's even longer. Jinx, you know. Adam, what are some of your favorites? Oh, I mean, the one that's timely, and this is what led to the question that I just asked you, was the uh, Boston Marathon will have largest women field the network will ignore. Because it's it's just so true that women's right. race will get about two minutes of coverage and everything else will be special interest stories in the men's race. and. Uh, that no, that one's a favorite because it was such a big like Andrew and I talked about this on our episode last week. It's this massive field and it's super exciting. Yeah, and then you remember like how like the network is actually going to broadcast it. It just made me so sad. So that was yeah, yeah it's, it's it's Charlie Brown with the football, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe, maybe this time, time they'll give them the coverage they deserve. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe this time women will get equal coverage with the men. Um, um, there's a comic that you did recently about uh, a driver shouting at a runner, and then they both come to the agreement that there's actually enough room on the road for everybody, and they can just go about their business. <laughs> How could you run? Really weird, because that's happened so many times. Yeah, get off the road. I, you know, that was if I remember right, that's that's kind of an old one that I reshared recently. Um, I mean, not that old, but kind of old that I reshared. And I think the inspiration for that one, like a lot of stuff I do, came from real life, from my own real life this time. When a guy, I was running with a buddy of mine down a street here in Portland. It was a pretty quiet, sleepy street. Um, uh, in fact, it's a greenway, which means like it's it's a it's a road dedicated for like, not dedicated for bicycles, but like a, a cycling safe, like safe space for cycles. You know, like yeah, 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 that kind of thing. So so motorists on there, you know. Is ostensibly at least should be going slower and paying more attention, right? Um, watching for bikes. And um, what happened? We were running along, facing traffic, 
um, in the street, but kind of like, you know, hugging the line of parked cars and a guy in a car passes up, passes up from behind and, you know, hits the brakes and turns left into a driveway, like right in front of us, man. We're like what the hell, you know, and long story short, I, I, you know, um, I'm not the kind of guy who like flips people off or mm-hmm. screams at them or anything like that, but I am not above, you know, shooting dirty looks or doing a like, what the hell was that kind of gesture with my hands or yeah. what have you know, and and I did that this time, and I'm like looking at the guy through the glass, and he finally rolls down his window and says like, what's the problem or something like that, and it was like he turned right in front of us, and and he what he said next was like just crystallized for me this whole sort of cognitive dissonance that that motorists share so much, which is. He said some version of this, I'm paraphrasing, but just a little bit. A, he didn't see me. Um, I'm, I'm about six feet tall and always wear something, you know, reasonably bright, especially if it's, if it's dark out at all. So I'm like pretty hard to miss in a narrow street like that. So A, he didn't see me. And B, I shouldn't be running in the quote middle of the road. And I, it, I didn't occur to me at the time, but later I was thinking about thinking like, so which is it? You know, yeah. So let me get this straight. I was I'm a six foot tall man in bright clothing running in the middle of the street, to use your words, and you didn't see me. You know, should you be driving a motor vehicle? How right. have you taken a vision test lately? Like, how do you even how does your brain work like that, man? But yeah, that was why. So that that was a long story, but that was kind of inspiration for that. Like, you know, I'm not in the middle. I'm on the side. There's room for both of us. Like, so you are. My apologies. <laughs> It'd be nice if those interactions were that tame. That's never <laughs> happened to me. Yeah, maybe yeah. Like, you, you know, know what? You know, right. I did get one guy one time because I I live on a pretty like right off a pretty busy street, and uh, we do have sidewalks, and I'll try to run on that. But I had one guy who had pulled, and I was getting a lot of them this one day, like pulling out of a parking lot to like stop right in the sidewalk so that I have to like go around them into the street or behind them. And it just always annoys me. And I usually like put my hands up, like what the heck? And uh, I did that to this one guy. And um, next thing I know, maybe 10 or 15 seconds later, I see his car coming up beside me on the road and he slows down. I was like, Oh, this dude's going to yell at me. And uh, he rolls the window down. He's like, I'm sorry, dude. I'm so sorry. And I was like, what? All right, man. That's the only time I think there's ever been a positive interaction. Wow. Or it's usually like they really almost hit me and realize they are completely at fault. And you can just tell they're like, oh, my God, I almost killed you. I'm sorry. Yeah. I but, you know. Now that you mentioned it, I've, I've had a few of those. I've had a few of like, you know, oh, sorry, my bad, that kind of thing. Usually as a gesture and like a mouthing the words. Yeah. Right. But yeah, for sure, for sure. Most of the time, it's not that at all. But yeah. I, I love that Boston Marathon. I want to go back to that Boston Marathon piece real quick. And I want to draw yeah. a parallel with The Onion. Because I think sometimes people think satire is just meant to be funny. But it's so often meant to make a point. Yes. And The Onion has an amazing article that they share anytime there is a uh, a mass shooting. And yeah. they just go through and they change the town. And it's... No, there's no way to prevent this says only nation, only developed nation where this regularly occurs. Yep. Yes. Something yep. to that effect. But like that article with the women's field, you know, it, right now it says the Boston marathon, but could very easily in the fall be for the London marathon, the Chicago, New York marathon, New York, Chicago. Yeah. Like 
because that's what the coverage is and that yeah. that's poignant and i i I'd like to kind of get your thoughts on that because you were definitely gesturing and yes, excitement. I'm right there. Uh, I'm right there with you, brother. So first, first of all, that that Boston article you mentioned about the the TV coverage ignoring the women, that the inspiration for that actually came, I want to say, mm -hmm. after the Chicago Marathon last fall. Was there a Chicago Marathon last fall? There was. Yes. Right? Yes. In person. Yes. But everything is such a. a I know. <laughs> so much went on in like three weeks. Yeah, and there was, and I remember the day after reading some comments online about how terrible the, the coverage was for women and stuff. And it's like, it wasn't unique to Chicago or Boston. It's like, this is a perennial thing, right? Which is what makes a headline like that resonate so much, right? right. This is, there's a long history of this, unfortunately. And so I almost did it then, but I felt, I can't remember why I didn't. Maybe I thought it was too late. Like I didn't get in, you know, before the window closed. It would have seemed not, not very timely. But then, so I kind of like put it in my pocket, right? And just like wait, and I have like a, a sticky note on my desktop uh, computer um, that's like at least a thousand items long. And it's like this repository, this slush pile of ideas that yeah. I have. And I just add to it all the time. And sometimes I'll delete one that's been there for six months. I'm like, it hasn't worked by now, it's not gonna work. So I had that idea on my big idea list. And then I saw the comments of the, um, the Boston field, like such a strong women's Boston field, like everyone was gaga about it, you know, and rightfully so. And I thought this is a chance for me to get ahead of it mm -hmm. and actually publish something like anticipating and how funny would it be if like the broadcasters themselves came out and said like, this is the strongest women's field we'll ever have ignored. And you know, this is great. <laughs> I can't wait to ignore this strong women's field. So I thought it was actually stronger that way. So it worked out for sure. But to your earlier point, yeah, I, I was nodding vigorously because like, I'll sometimes publish things that, you know, aren't funny per se, certainly not haha -ha funny. And people will sometimes complain about it. You know, like, this isn't funny. Like, I don't find this funny at all. And I usually I say, oh, neither do I, you know, and yeah. satire doesn't always equal um, yeah. LOL, you know, the right. satire's point is to spotlight or, you know, mock or ridicule some absurdity or, or injustice or, bigger point and um maybe make you you know less about making you laugh and more about making you think or see something in a different way through exaggeration and and irony and sarcasm so um yeah satire is uh is um not always a blunt kind of instrument it can be more subtle for sure 100 percent. yeah and that's that's why i you know i, I think on our podcast, I think there's been moments where we've kind of used some of that same mindset over the years, especially the last two years, yeah. um, as we've dealt with a uh, with this good old pandemic that yeah. final, finally got me. Man, it's without thinking. laughter, I don't, you know, yeah, I've, I've, I've just, I've always felt, you know, and, and by the way, speaking of that, like on a parallel track, laughter doesn't always even equal funny or haha or lol. It can, right. you know, laughter can be nervous laughter. It can be mm -hmm. when you hear something that shocks you and you don't know how to respond so you just kind of laugh reflexively it's like i don't know man i you know i i happen to think that humor and laughter get get short shrift um in general i think they're very important um tools and very important coping mechanisms and ways we can bond with each other mm -hmm. and just get through rough times sometimes or whatever you know i think it's it's hugely hugely important and i think sometimes that's not really recognized well, I want to uh, thank you so much for joining us. I think this is a good spot to wrap it up at, but I, I want to uh, shout out dumbrunner.com. Um, he is a hundred percent reader supported. 
um he he told us beforehand this that he's funded like public radio so uh, any thoughts on a telethon at any point <laughs> you laugh you laugh i've thought about that man. i like <laughs> it I am listen. I am not a proud man. I will humiliate myself. I'll degrade myself. You know what? What do I got to do to get people to cough up three bucks a month or, or whatever to help me do this thing that I love doing, man? Um, I, I have thought about a, a telethon or something like that, where I go like twenty four hours and I could live stream it or something. I don't know, but uh, so far that's never happened. I don't know. I'm, I'm open to it. I don't, I don't know how serious you were about it, but I shortly before I asked you to come on, I did see you say something about not having a podcast yet. And let me tell you, if the two of us can make this work, <laughs> something to look into. I, I, uh, don't worry. We don't make money doing this. Though, no, so yeah. The best example. Right, right, right. I, I, I have to ask, since you, since you mentioned it, if you if you ever saw the Darmander article about um, runners and podcasts. No. Oh, Lord. Um, the number of, I, I don't, I'm going to mangle the headline. Like I said, the wording makes it makes it better, but. Uh, something like the number of um, study finds the number of running podcasts outnumber is the number of runners. <laughs> <laughs> Here's that effect. So that one, that one is for you. Oh, that's man. perfect. I'm, we we finally we made it, Adam. There yeah. we go. We we made it. I will once we're off. I'll find the link and send you a, send you the email. <laughs> that that's amazing. That's fantastic. Yeah, I'll definitely have to look that up. We'll have to we'll have to share that one immediately. So uh, go it. to dumbrunner.com. <laughs> Make sure to support uh, Mark Ramey. He also does have a merch section there, uh, where if you you know, I guess if you want something back for your the money you give him, um, or just you know, oh Adam just shared it to me. Got just, it. Just gave me the just gave me the link. I tried to find it. So yes, let's 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 tear through this real quick. Uh, oh, the podcast. Yes. Is that what? Yeah. Estimated population of runners is eighty-two million five hundred forty thousand, and then the number of running podcasts reached eighty-two million five hundred forty thousand and one on August sixteenth with the launch of Running, running with Trevor, Trevor. <laughs> a fun sixty minutes or so about all things running with your host Trevor. <laughs> he Good could be Trevor. talking about us. Oh, I do like Frank Roosevelt, president of the WPA. That's a nice little historic reference right there. The that's average exactly the, that's exactly the kind of little Easter egg that you'll get if you yes. take the moment to click the link and read the article, right? The average audience size for a running podcast is 14. Oh shoot, that hits both. <laughs> oh man. He oh. got us. Oh man, that's <laughs> at least 15% of running podcasts are devoted to examining and discussing other running podcasts. <laughs> Well, now we know what to do for some episodes of Forever in a Bind, Andrew. Oh, that's hilarious. That is something we've never, well, we've touched lightly on, but yeah. oh my goodness. Well, I need to go rest. And um... <laughs> <laughs> so, Mark, thank you so much for joining yes. us. You can find him on Twitter at Real Dumb Runner or Instagram, The Dumb Runner. Uh, you can find him on both of those. Make sure to give him a follow um, and go support him at dumbrunner.com. Mark, thank you for joining us. Adam, I will see you next week. No, I'll be in Charleston. Oh, week. the week after then. We're off next week. Right. There we go. All right. Well, until two weeks from now, enjoy your miles, everybody.